0: Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist, who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy.
1: I am a cliche. JJ.
0: Imagine if your mom was one of punk rock's most beloved icons. Celeste Bell is the daughter of Polly Styrene, best known as the vocalist of X-Ray Specs, one of the most influential late 70s London punk bands. Take that, Sex Pistols. In the documentary film I Am A Cliché, Celeste documents her mom's life, one where Celeste watched Polly struggle with mental health. What many people didn't know about Polly was she lived with bipolar and experienced rapid cycling between depression and mania, sometimes two or three times a month. This began affecting her at a young age and required hospitalization, just as x-ray specs were approaching punk legend status. While I Am A Cliche does tackle Celeste's challenging relationship with her mom, the film is ultimately a celebratory homage to Polly, the trailblazing musician, writer, and fashionista. And it doesn't shy away from addressing bipolar, a part of Polly's life that caused her despair, but also help to fuel her awe inspiring creative spirit.
1: Hi, my name is Celeste Bell. I'm co director of Polystymine. I Am a Cliché, a documentary film about my mother, the late Polly Styrene, which looks at our relationship and also her life and work.
0: I wanted to ask you first of all about Polly's involvement with music when she was quite young. What do you think it was that gravitated her towards that kind of music and that music scene?
1: Yeah, so she didn't start out as a punk. Uh, She grew up listening to Scar and reggae and Motown you know her early friends were skinheads and that was the kind of music they were into but she was always artistic and she always had her finger on the pulse let's say of what was going on so when she was about 16 17 she was living in Fulham just around the corner from the Kings Road which was kind of where the whole UK punk scene really started initially she had a store which was called polystyrene a small shop she was making her own clothes selling jewelry and things like that that's how she came across punk and you know that was one inspiration for her to delve into that music the other was of course seeing the Sex Pistols an early gig that she saw in Hastings this was before they were sort of famous and she realized seeing them play that that was something that she felt would be a good vehicle for her musically. But she never really considered herself a punk. She described it as new wave or high energy rock and roll. She just happened to fall into that scene, really.
0: So did you get the sense from all the research you did for the film, going back through her materials that she had, journals, stuff like that, that music was her therapy or part of her therapy growing up, that it was a place that she needed for refuge or solace?
1: Definitely uh, writing was. So songwriting, I think she poured a lot of herself into her songs, her emotions, her mental state is really clearly reflected in, in a lot of the songs that she wrote. And she wrote many, many songs and poems that were never recorded and never published. And some of those you can really see what she was going through mentally. On the other hand, music, it was probably more of a stress than a relief. How so? The performing live, the touring, that all quite demanding activities that require you to be operating at 110% all the time. Just very simple things like it's a very late night culture, There's usually a lot of drinking and drugs that you're surrounded by. And then it's just so much kind of you feed off a lot of energy from the crowd. And and that particular crowd, that punk crowd, you know, it's quite a hostile environment to play for every night. So it was, you know, definitely the music, the live performing part was probably not therapeutic, I would say, for her.
0: One of the things that really struck me about the film was This idea of performing wellness and, you know, I live with bipolar and I know what it's like when you're severely depressed and you have to put yourself up or put on that face. And in the film, it's very evident to me, having lived with that myself, that uh, she's performing wellness a lot, especially with interviews, the footage of her in the tour van.
1: Absolutely. I mean, especially in the, the footage that you see from the Arena documentary, We use a lot of footage from a a documentary film that was made in 1978, which followed her around as she was performing and her day-to-day during the period. And yes, you can really see the impact of her illness because she'd had already her first major breakdown by then and she was also highly medicated. If you have experience of bipolar and the, the types of medication that, one would take, you'll probably be aware of that, and you can see the difference in archive of my mum before that period and after, and so before you know medication and after medication, which is kind of why she had a very conflicted relationship with taking the medication in the first place.
0: How do you see that difference between what she presented when she was pre-diagnosis, not medicated versus knowing at least what she might be dealing with and being medicated? And also, where was that in the timeline of the band?
1: So my mother had her first breakdown, uh, I think quite early on. So just after the New York experience. So we're talking about the end of 1977, beginning of 1978. We found footage of very early on. So earlier in 1977, pre-New York, so, and there are some interviews. And it's really night and day, I think, the difference. So you see someone pre the New York episode uh, very carefree and youthful and childlike in a way. And then after these breakdown and, you know, hospitalisation and medication, you see a bit of a maturity, but beyond her years and some disillusionment and just that lack of joy in a way.
0: I know that she was misdiagnosed schizophrenic quite early and then later on in life was looked at again as far as living with bipolar. Do the mood cycles of bipolar really play into her presentation around playing music and then later in life were those cycles that people in her life were seeing as being very much the up and downs of bipolar, the manic and the depressive?
1: Definitely, I think most people who knew my mum sort of post-77, that's how we understood her to be because she was always going through these cycles. So my mother had a severe form of bipolar disorder, so she experienced rapid cycling. These ups and downs would be quite severe and would happen very frequently. So in one month, she could have two or three Cycles during a a bad period. So it was definitely something that everyone was used to, kind of a part of who she was. But it was obviously a very stressful thing to go through.
0: How much did her condition play into the end of the band? It's hinted at in the film that potentially that was the reasons why the band had to dissolve. I know there's other things going on.
1: I would say it was the most important reason. I think from my mum's perspective, she really needed a break. In particular, she needed a break from touring and performing live, which is what was being demanded of her, you know, was expected. And she had all kinds of obligations to fulfil with her manager, with her record label and with the band. And I think that pressure just became too much. It was not going to be sustainable for her. So I think she needed to really take a long break. She didn't want to stop Music, So that's why one of the reasons why I think she developed a new kind of musical direction, which was much more acoustic and also studio based. Her first solo album was a studio album that she never performed live. She never promoted with gigs or anything like that. So I think it's clear from that decision that she wanted to continue making music, but on her own terms, and she wasn't prepared to undergo the cycle of highs and lows that performing live was, and negative impact that had on her mental health.
0: Yeah, the touring lifestyle, sleep is such a huge thing with bipolar, like you mentioned, playing shows, exhaustion, all these things that played into it, and even the circadian rhythm of not having a proper daily schedule, I can totally understand how that might look being on the road and playing as many shows as X-ray Specs played.
1: Absolutely. And obviously my mother enjoyed so much about being in the band. It was her band that she put together the first year of those first months. You know, she was on a real high. I think also her bipolar experience also gave her as I said a kind of maturity That trauma left her as a much more mature person. And I think she became very critical as well of the whole show business, entertainment and music industry kind of machine that she found herself in. And I don't know if she would have come to that realization if she hadn't had that breakdown.
0: Curious to know when you came into the world and where Polly was at that point in her life.
1: I was born in 1981. My mother had left the band already and she would just finished her solo album when I was born. I think it had been released already. It was still a difficult period for my mum but she very much wanted to be a mother and she'd kind of transformed her life already by the time I was born. So she'd given up punk. She'd embarked on a total lifestyle overhaul, which included, you know, healthy eating. She started to get into things like yoga and and then developed an interest in religion and joined the Hare Krishna movement when I was about six months old. That was also a period of ups and downs. So, yeah, it was a quite a difficult thing to grow up with a lot of instability my mum having bipolar disorder wasn't easy. You know, we lived in a kind of cult, so yeah, you can imagine the challenges.
0: <laughs> how did being part of the Hare Krishna, you call it a cult? <laughs> I'll just roll with that. Um, how did that affect her mental health?
1: It had positives and negatives. I would say the positives were a kind of solace in. Faith, you know, in spirituality, in something bigger than herself, I think that was helpful. The Hare Krishna movement specifically was probably not the best movement to get involved with because it was beyond a religious belief. It was a whole lifestyle which was incredibly austere and involved a very restrictive diet and very extreme sleep deprivation. Oh, wow going to bed early and waking up extremely early every morning and then hours of chanting. Yeah, I think it had a negative effect on a lot of people's mental health. So if you already suffered from bipolar disorder, then it was unlikely to be beneficial.
0: Yeah, the sleep thing, that sounds that sounds scary. <laughs> In the film you talk about being quite young, a small child, and recognizing that something wasn't right with your mom do you remember what that was that you recognized and how it felt at the time
1: yeah i just started to pick up on things little things and then bigger things when i was very small i saw my mother as kind of like the only person in the world you know she was the most important person so i, I wasn't really paying attention to how she was compared to other people so i did not see it that there was anything unusual about my mother even though i had spent a lot of time with grandparents and it had kind of all gone over my head i was about three four years old when i started to see my mum in relation to the other people around and i started to pick up on things that my mother was doing or saying that were not like other people and also i started to read the reactions of others towards my mother This realization was for me very difficult to go through because when I started to see my mother as a vulnerable person, that others also saw her in a negative way often, that was very damaging to my sense of stability because, again, this is the the person who's supposed to look after me. And, you know, when that didn't seem like a very sure thing. It's kind of like my whole world just imploded. So I do remember that being a very unpleasant experience.
0: And do you remember what you thought about her music or her writing and her art?
1: My mom was always writing and she was always singing. And so it was just something I took for granted as being just normal. But I would say there was a level of resentment My mother veered between being extremely over-possessive and controlling or being very neglectful as a mother. There wasn't really much of an in-between throughout my childhood. So I was ultimately quite resentful of the amount of time she would spend writing and not playing with me or taking me to the park or whatever I thought she should be doing.
0: Getting back to X-Ray Specs. That moment that she says, oh, bondage, up yours.
1: Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard, but I think,
0: oh, bondage, up yours! One, two, three, four! Was there any pieces of footage that just really tingled your neck hairs or stuff that you maybe found that you were like, oh, wow?
1: Probably not. It's not actually the musical performances because, as I said, I grew up with my mum singing and performing, it, it was much more old footage of her just being herself or interviews that she did. You know, just seeing my mum so young and so cool and I just love her way, her way of being in those interviews. And so those are the things I really got excited about.
0: Uh, the name, Polly
1: First of all, was it your thought of the name or was it given to you by a publicist or what? No, I mean, I thought of it, but it's just I was looking for a name in that and I thought I'd use the name of something around today, you know, something plastic and synthetic. And I just looked in the yellow pages and then I saw it, so I don't know, got it there. Really? Out it, yeah. So that's how the name of polystyrene finally was born from the yellow pages <laughs> in yeah. the phone book? Yeah. Oh, wow. It <laughs> 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 mm, gets worse.
0: she's considered a real inspiration to a lot of people you know accepted in the punk scene the punk scene back then was a lot more unforgiving than it is now
1: yeah the great thing about punk and there were lots of things that weren't great but the thing was that it was very accepting of difference and being a weirdo (laughs) kind of what they were all playing on and playing up to a large extent. So I think, in a sense, that space for my mum really allowed her to really push the boundaries in terms of not having to conform to any stereotypical models. So especially as a female performer, the great thing about punk, I think, for my mum was that she could totally style herself. You know, she made her own clothes. She created her own look and the look was based on what she wanted to do creatively and she didn't have to worry about being pretty or being feminine or being sexy. In fact, these were all things she was purposefully trying to fight against just with her image, you know, just with the clothes before we even get to the lyrics, Punk did allow people like my mum to, for the first time, be seen and be celebrated for being themselves. So I think that was really great. But then, of course, being a very young person, I think beyond being a woman and being a woman of colour and suffering with mental illness, I think being a very young person in the music industry, it was very, very hard then. And I think it continues to be very, very hard today because it's a kind of mill that, chews people up and spits them out at very young age when they're still developing they're still growing and they're still developing their personality which is not fully formed you know until you're like in your mid-20s so you know the impact of being thrust into this very very um exploitative industry it can have such a damaging effect on young people and i i think there's not enough awareness of that
0: yeah In her lyrics, did you see a lot of implicit mental health content?
1: Absolutely. Um, Some of them are not very subtle. (laughs) Uh, There's a song called Plastic Bag. The opening line is, my mind is like a plastic bag. Plastic bag. It sucks in all the rubbish that is fed in through my ear. I eat Kleenex for breakfast and I wipe my tears with soft hygienic bit, yeah. which is like a cereal. And then it goes on to describe, I think, these various mental states that my mother was going through. But then, of course, also the wider insanity of society at the time. Even the melody, even the rhythm, it's very bipolar. So it's like very, very frenetic, uh, fast. And then it goes into these like slower, down-tempo sections. So I think that is the most obvious of the songs that reflect a mental state, but also even songs like Gem Free Adolescence. You know, my mother's exploring OCD in that song. <laughs> I don't know that anyone else was thinking about OCD you know, at that time or even really talking about it. So yeah, definitely you can see mental health reflected in her lyrics.
0: Was there a certain amount of loneliness that she experienced during those days, having this mental health condition that maybe she didn't really even know was going on? People around her that provided support or were dealing with similar things, or was she really out there on her own with that?
1: Um, Yeah, there wasn't really any support, and it was a very lonely time for her, because also you have to remember this was an era when there was a lot of stigma attached to mental health. And people could be very insensitive, including those around her. For example, her bandmates, they were teenage boys. You know, they were not sensitive. And even her manager, you know, who was also her partner, he cared for my mother and you can see he was protective. But at the same time, he was very worried about, and and the other band members too, they were also very worried about what would happen if it all fell apart, if my mum couldn't go on stage you know which which happened several times you know she couldn't go on stage and then the promoters there like getting really angry and threatening them and so ultimately it was a very difficult situation for my mother it was also very difficult for those around her but i don't believe there was enough sensitivity shown by those around her but a lot of that can be just explained by the society at the time and also just the youthful insensitivity
0: in regards to her being diagnosed and knowing what the symptoms were of that condition and medication is a big thing was she because i know a lot of folks feel like artistically or creatively they may be missing something or may have this dulling of their creativity
1: yes that's exactly how she felt which is why she always had a very conflicted relationship with medication so There were periods where she would take it and there were long periods where she wouldn't take it. The explanation she gave me was that she really didn't feel like herself when she was on the medication. She felt, yes, exactly dulled and almost like she was walking around in a kind of cloud. You know, her head was in some kind of fuzzy cloud. Whereas uh, when she was in her manic one for her it was just that it was it was really different everyone else and ultimately my mother had to take medication for everyone else and I think that is the sad thing is that those with bipolar or other mental health issues are kind of forced by society to medicate and I understand you know of course it can be helpful as well for the individual but you know, often I think people like my mother, they felt that they were forced to medicate so they could be manageable and they will not be disruptive. And instead of society creating a world that's more conducive to the well being of people with mental illness, is people with mental illness, they have to medicate in order to function in society. And that's
0: sad. There has to be a balance there. Definitely. Was she able to, in later life, accept the? condition accept medication and her life the way that it was don't want to say accept the dulling but accept that less bipolar ups and downs ups and downs was she able to at that point accept that kind of a life
1: i think she was very fortunate in the sense that as she got older her mental health improved Without necessarily medication. So the cycles became less frequent and the the manic episodes, again, they were less severe and her depressive states were also reduced. So I've always been intrigued by why that happened. There's so much we don't know about bipolar disorder. With my mother, there was a probably a big connection between her bipolar and her hormonal state her hormones um, which is why when she entered the menopause years a lot of the symptoms seemed to reduce so she didn't have to take medication as much what also happened is that the medication itself improved she wasn't only left with the choice of lithium or in the early days it was lithium that it didn't agree with her Or, you know, there was some other like very strong medication that also had an impact on her physical health. You know, I think the medication that they were offering her did improve lighter doses and she felt more comfortable with taking it.
0: So I know that there's some debate about punk and whether Polly was a punk, whether X-Ray Specs was a punk band. What's your opinion on that? And punk could mean anything to you.
1: I think X-Ray Specs were musically you can fit them into the punk uh, UK punk of that period category quite easily and I think in terms of DIY my mother really she encompassed that attitude more than many others but you know she wasn't into labels so if my mum didn't want to put a label on it then that's where I'm at as well
0: That was my conversation with Celeste Bell, filmmaker and daughter of the late polystyrene of X-Ray Specs. Celeste-Bell.com. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Screen Therapy. I'm coming to you from Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klohama Nation. Doing this podcast and talking to other folks living with mental health challenges has been a huge part of my journey. It means the world to me that you're out there listening. You can sign up for my newsletter and find more episodes at ScreamTherapyHQ.com. That's ScreamTherapyHQ.com. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Let's talk punk and mental health. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, take care and be well.